Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Okay. All right, boys, we are ready. We want to welcome everyone to another special episode of Believe in the Houston Texans. And we have a special guest with us here today. Mr. Solomon Wilcox played in the NFL, is on TV, is in sports media. You see him everywhere. He does a fantastic job. Award-winning color analysis. Mr. Wilcox, thank you for joining us today. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Okay. Now, I have a question for you. You've been around the NFL for pretty much a a long time. (laughs) Have you ever seen a rookie quarterback like C.J. Stroud? Look, um, yeah, no, this is one that I really have to stretch and strain um, to really think about someone with a combination. Cam Newton was certainly... Um, one that really um, just came onto the scene and shocked everyone with the way that he played. He was such a physical presence on the field. But the way that C.J. Stroud is slinging it, the way he's throwing it, he can make all the throws, but yet he still has great movement. Tremendous mm-hmm. pocket presence, great ball placement, tremendous poise in the pocket, and a keen understanding of where to go with the ball. He doesn't take a lot of sacks, but more importantly, he set a, a record um, for the number of pass attempts as a rookie to start a career without throwing an interception. And as this recording right now, 14 touchdowns to one interception, uh, that's a you know thir- 14 to one ratio. So no, we've never seen anything like this. <laughs> you know, the national media talking heads right now are starting to gauge the question of, whether or not C.J. Stroud is a top 10 quarterback. We've heard Richard Sherman on Undisputed with Skip Bayless say, yes, he is a top 10 quarterback. What are your thoughts on uh, him entering that conversation? Is he or is he not a top 10 quarterback? He's performing like mm-hmm. um, all the metrics suggest that his performance right now, mm-hmm. um, you know, is, is right in that in that area. I would really hesitate to say, okay, he's just flat out top 10 quarterback because there's still a lot to prove. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of big games that need to be won. I thought last Sunday, uh, week nine against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a really good defense, played against a lot of guys that won a Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, to have that come from behind uh, win and to put up those kind of numbers, but not at garbage time. Mm-mm. But in a meaningful way, to come from behind and have a game-winning drive, to have three players over 110 yards receiving in that game, I think he's starting to check all the boxes that would answer yes to that question. And just to follow up from Harvey's, um, what do you think about this Houston Texans team? I mean, last year at this point, the season was already over. There were so much talks about this being a dysfunctional franchise, but the hiring of D'Amico Ryans, the drafting of C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson Jr., it looks like the Houston Texans are on the way up. What are your thoughts on that? Look, I, I don't think you can leave offense coordinator Bobby Slowick off that list. Mm. You, that I think you have to understand this is 49ers type of offense. The tempo, the rhythm, the ball distribution – 
multiple players, not just relying on one talented receiver, but multiples, their ability to create yards after the catch. Um, a lot of those things is, has made this thing take off, right, or yeah. at least gain some altitude much faster than we thought. And we know that a good offense protects a defense. I don't think that anyone can look at the performance last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where you give up 30-plus points on defense and say, oh, that's great. That's great defense. I think we overlook it a little bit because the offense looks so great. And mm. the game was won in a fashion that uh, for the Houston Texans they haven't seen in a while. But as you get to be a little more granular, I think you do have to say, no, there's still some areas uh, where you can improve, still some areas of, of growth. You know, Mr. Wilcox, we have a very good game coming up right now. And we'll get into an early preview of this Texans-Bengals matchup where this is the biggest game on the schedule, I would say, for the Houston Texans besides November 26, maybe against the Jaguars. But in terms of a Bengals team that's been to the Super Bowl, been there, done that, they have accolades. Uh, and This is a statement game for the Houston Texans. And myself and Ruben both believe that we can beat the Bengals. I'm just not so sure if it's going to happen. What are your what is the confidence level going into this game? And what are your thoughts about the Texans Bengals matchup so far? Oh, look, I, I, it's a week to week league. Even Joe Burrow said it. Hey, they were one and oh this week. He said they're they're going now to be one and oh next week. And nobody knows that. I think better than the Bengals, but at least among these teams that find themselves above 500 halfway through the season, um, they've gone through and weathered the storm of adversity after getting off to an 0-2 start. They have since won five of their last six games, including four in a row. Uh, they've gone on the road and beat teams like the San Francisco 49ers, hosted uh, the Buffalo Bills in prime time, dueled it out with one of the league's best quarterbacks in Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow is, is healthy again. He's mm -hmm. playing his best. The Bengals' defense is playing their best. They've, they've forced two turnovers, two at least two takeaways in four straight games during the course of this four-game win streak. So they're, they're prone to take the ball away. Uh, the offense is clicking and starting to make a lot more plays. Joe Burrow's under center, which has helped the run game. Um, and they've gotten their tight ends involved in the pass game. And uh, more importantly, uh, Joe Burrow is a consummate winner. This guy is an assassin. And that's the difference. Uh, as I survey the league, we got a lot of good quarterbacks in our league. Mm -hmm. The difference between the good ones and the great ones are the guys that are so laser focused. They come there to do one thing and one thing only. That is to beat you. And we've seen that from Joe Burrow. We've seen that from Patrick Mahomes. Um I've seen it from Lamar Jackson, to be honest with you. Tremendous competitor. Lamar Jackson's won roughly 75% of the games that he started since coming into the NFL. How many quarterbacks can say that? It's not that he wins them by himself, but with him on the field, that's, that's the percentage of wins the Baltimore Ravens have because that's the focus uh, that the quarterback has. It's not about stats. It's about winning. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned Joe Burrow and, you know, some fans here, we are kind of comparing C.J. Shroud to Joe Burrow. Do you see kind of the same similarities between these two quarterbacks? 
I, I think there are some. I think you can say, look, C.J. Stroud, you know, look, he's, this is like a homecoming for him. <laughs> he's coming back. Um, uh, you know, he went to school two, two hours away in Columbus at the Ohio State University. Everybody knows Joe Burrow went to that school as well. Mm -hmm. Now, Urban Meyer decided not to play him, and he <laughs> sat for three years before he went to LSU and, and showed what he was made of. But if you look at, comparatively speaking, the number of games played throughout their college career, um, the number of big games that they played in in their college careers at big Power Five schools at the highest level against some of the best competition, um, I think there's a great comparison. I find it ironic that many of the pundits um, who are part of the um, the um, draft industrial complex didn't give C.J. Stroud the credit he deserved for winning a lot of those games, but they gave Joe Burrow credit for winning a lot of those games in college. I think there is a lot. I think you can compare the experience and, uh, the, and just winning, the sure understanding of what's required to lift a big-time program. Because when you get drafted one or two, you're going to a team that's not that good. You're going to a team that hasn't been winning, that doesn't have a great culture, and you have to build it. You can't mm -hmm. expect someone else to do it for you. And that's what C.J. Stroud walked into. That was what Bryce Young walked into. That's what Joe Burrow is the first overall pick. That's what he walked into, and he quickly turned it around. So I do think there are some similarities, uh, but I think, again, small sample size is still a lot of wait and see. You know, uh, to get into some of the matchups here with the Texans and Bengals, and I know it's early, it's only Tuesday that we're talking about this, but what is the level of where is Jamar Chase at? Because some of the quotes from that game afterwards definitely felt like it, it, like an implication he wasn't going to play on Sunday. Do you know exactly where he's at in terms of playing, you know, whether or not he's questionable for Sunday? I, I know this. I can. I would never judge a player after a game as to, and then start asking them, are they going to play next week? I played in this league. <laughs> you can ask anyone who's played in this league. And and they don't know how they're going to feel the next morning, which is the, which is the real test. Because I can tell you, most mornings after a game, when players wake up, don't even talk to them about playing. Because they can barely get out of bed. They can barely walk to use the restroom. That Trust me when I tell you, that's how um, – that's how tough it is. That's how physical this league is. So this is it's way too early. Um, it's just way too early. And look, you know, if, if it's all about practicing. That to me, I think anytime you talk to an athlete, always ask them, can you practice? <laughs> you know, because because if you can't practice, you can't play. Mm -hmm. And there's there's been some scenarios where guys didn't practice and did play. But I can tell you right now, they didn't feel that comfortable going out there and playing without the ability to practice and to sharpen their tools. There's a reason why we practice in this game. And uh, if you can't practice, then I think that's pretty much a sign that you won't be able to play. So I think that's really the first tale. And so we, we really are too early in that cycle to be able to provide answers. I want to ask about the last four wins because – like you said, on a winning streak for the Cincinnati Bengals. I see here a dominant win uh, just a couple of days ago against the Bills, a statement win against the 49ers. What has been the main difference? Because I see here in the first couple of weeks, it was 
24 points allowed to the Browns, 27 allowed to the Ravens, 27 allowed to the Titans. But your past couple of weeks, the Cincinnati Bengals have barely been allowing 20 points. Yeah, they've allowed an average of, uh, I think, 17 points a game mm-hmm. during the, this four-game win streak. Uh, there are a lot of different scenarios. One is, remember, uh, they lost their two safeties, and the safeties are almost like quarterbacks for a defense, particularly veteran guys like Vaughn Bale and Jesse Bates. Um, and then when you bring in new guys, they've got to learn to work together. They have to learn to communicate. It's a very young secondary on the back end. Uh, more importantly, um, Joe Burrow is such a force multiplier that when he was hurt and unable to really function at a high level, when your offense is going three and out mm-hmm. uh, and the offense isn't producing, we all know that affects and impacts the defense. Your defense can wear down, particularly as you get late into ball games, late in the third quarter and into the fourth quarter, because your offense isn't on the field. Now you're taking more snaps. Um, and and it, look, it's hard to stop Derrick Henry for a full game. But if you said that Derrick Henry is going to, and that offense is going to get maybe three more possessions than they normally would, most defensive coordinators say, okay, our work is cut out for us. It's going to be very mm. difficult. And that, that's how offenses and defenses on good teams really work together. We call it complementary football. You may hear that term a lot, but that's what that really means. So as the offense has gotten better, uh, the defense, their work has become more meaningful. They don't, they didn't have to carry the load. And let, listen, they played phenomenally on the road against San Francisco. They played great against Buffalo. But I think we saw at the end of the game when Joe Burrow, after the Bills scored a touchdown to uh, make it, uh, to get 18 points in that game, um, the, their offense, the Bills, never got the ball back. Mm-hmm. because And the defense didn't have to go back out on the field because Joe Burrow and the offense kept the ball whittled all the time off the clock, got out of there with a win. That's that's complimentary football. So this defense has gotten better with more reps because the younger players have gotten better. Cam Taylor-Britt having a Pro Bowl season on the back end. The safeties are working better together. Dax Hill and Nick Scott. But the offense has been more productive. They've been more integrated in the success of the team. And, uh, and so all of those things, I think, have played a role and this is what Lou Anaromo's defenses do. They all get better as the season goes on. When we're talking offenses, is there any similarities you've seen between Zach Taylor and if you know anything with the Bobby Slowick offense? Are there any similarities? Zach Taylor came from Sean McVay, who stemmed all the way to Mike Shanahan and the Washington Redskins. During that time, Bobby Slowick was – on that staff as well as being in 2010 as a video guy, are there any similarities to both offenses and why does it just continue to work in the NFL? Yeah, this goes back to uh, people don't know this, but the grandfather of it all, Sean Mm -hmm. McVay's uh, grandfather uh, is a guy that hired, um, uh, you know, one of the best coaches ever in Bill Walsh, who had mm. served as the offensive coordinator under Paul Brown here with the Bengals. And so they were running it here. Uh, the, quote, West Coast offense was being ran here um, with the likes of Kenny Anderson in the early days um, before Bill Walsh goes out to San Francisco and the rest is history. He had a coach that he took with him by the name of Sam Weiss, who also yeah. brought it back here. 
Um, so there's a, there's a lot of history and yeah, there's some similarities, but you can imagine, um, uh, from the granddad to the dad, to the grandchildren, as you get <laughs> down the pyramid, things become a little watered down the, the nomenclature of the, or the um, definition and glossary of what we call plays, how we define it, how we go about moving the ball down the field and getting it into the end zone philosophies it can all change but it all it is all to your point rooted in some of the same systems and that is it's going to go through the quarterback the ball's got to come out quickly mm -hmm. we're going to allow our skilled players to make plays after the catch uh, but uh, after that um, whether it's vertical stretch or horizontal stretch mm -hmm. in the passing game whether we build it off the run game and play action or rpo schemes those things are are more nuanced and, and a lot different today than it was in the beginning. I want to ask you about number 85, T. Higgins. There's a lot of uncertainty um, about where he could potentially be next year. Um, do you have kind of a comment on that? I mean, uh, like what I mean by that is like, what do you think is going to happen with T. Higgins? Do you expect him to be with the Cincinnati Bengals for the long run? Or is this – going to be potentially his final year with the Bengals? Boy, that's, you're talking about uncertainty there because <laughs> there's nobody in their right mind who would allow T. Higgins to walk out the door. Secondly, you wouldn't let him walk out the door without compensation. Um, and the Bengals have other – A, they can offer him a new contract, right? B, they can franchise tag him. Um, so that – I mean – I think it's a real stretch to say he's not going to be with the Bengals next year. I do think that's a long stretch because he's such a good player. And look, Joe Joe Burrow has a large say so in the guys that he wants to keep around him. And uh, and he and T. Higgins and Jamar Chase are very close. I understand all the teams who are coveting uh, what Duke Tobin is built here. Yeah, every, yeah, it's like everybody's looking at your girlfriend, man, if you got Ooh. the right girl, by the way. But <laughs> everybody's looking at the girl. You can look, but you can't touch. It's called tampering. And and I'll quote Duke Tobin on this. He says, look, he's not in the habit of helping other people build their football teams. Mm. Yeah, we, we've definitely been wanting to ask about a T. Higgins. Texans Twitter has been going crazy about him. Um, yeah. <laughs> moving forward, Texans Bengals. So Joe Mixon. Definitely going to be a problem for this Texans defense. We lost Hassan Ridgeway for the rest of the year. That was someone that was a really good player for this team. Um, we had problems with Rashad White just this few days ago. The Texans defense has had a constant nagging issue with trying to stop the run. Um, what kind of day are you looking at for Joe Mixon against the Houston Texans? Joe Mixon's playing lights out. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I think he's, while every, everything else offensively had been slumping, he wasn't. Mm -hmm. I, he's, he's clearly having his best year as a Cincinnati Bengals. And it's not just always about the numbers. He is running better. He's breaking more tackles. He's creating more yards after contact. He's getting his feet up. His knees are high and he's exploding through would-be tacklers. He's a big guy he's mm -hmm. an agile guy i don't think pound for pound i don't think anyone is as big as he is as athletic as he is is the kind of receiver 
that he is. Yeah, Derrick Henry's a bigger cat who's got vertical speed, who can get down the field and score and hit home runs in a run game. But he's not the receiver that Joe is. Yeah, um, Christian McCaffrey is more uh, agile as a catcher and as a receiver, um, but he's not the powerful runner that Joe is. Joe's mm. a combination of all of those things. He really is and understands the game and a leader in this locker room, by the way. You know, there's a reason why Orlando Brown Jr., signed with the Bengals and no other team because he wanted to play with his Oklahoma Sooner uh, and former teammate uh, when he was in college, and that's Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon's helped this team to recruit some really good players. So uh, he's a leader. They know what work they have uh, in store for them in terms of trying to get back to a Super Bowl, get back to the AFC Championship game, uh, but they're just taking it one game at a time. They don't talk about it. They just show up for work, and they understand that it's a process, and that's what you like about this group of players with the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, no, me and, uh, like Harley said, we feel like we could potentially win this game, but will they? It kind of feels like we are catching the Cincinnati Bengals at a right, I don't know, at a wrong time. Their offense is firing on all cylinders. But if there's one thing that the Houston Texans defense could take advantage of us, Mr. Solomon, what would you say they need to do on Sunday to kind of give them a chance against the Cincinnati Bengals offense? He's going to say I don't, think I don't think they match up well at all. I, mm -hmm. you, listen, if you can't pressure Joe Burrow, it's going to be a long day. Because I, yeah. I know there's <laughs> no way you can cover their receivers and the running backs. And now that the tight ends have gotten involved, you know, their three tight ends – um, on on uh, Sunday night combined for 10 catches, 110 yards, and two receiving touchdowns. And that's Tanner Hudson, um, um, Drew Sample, as well as Irv Smith Jr. So, I mean, they they throw a lot at you. I mean, they've got – it's really about pressuring the quarterback. Teams that have been successful have been able to get to Joe Burrow, but now that he's moving so well, he's like Houdini in that pocket. He doesn't mm -hmm. run to run. He runs to throw. And uh, it's made the entire offense just elevate. Um, and so it's a, it's a tough offense to deal with. There's no doubt about it, particularly when they're all, when they're all clicking the way that they have been. There's a numerous amount of weapons on that Bengals offense. I am, I am slowly getting more, less and less confident into this game the more I hear you talk about it. Um, and me and Ruben were just talking about it in our last live stream. The tight ends all of a sudden come alive. And now you got, you know, you still have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. We're going to possibly be missing Derek Stingley again this week, which is just a huge loss for us in terms of the secondary. Jimmy Ward possibly doesn't play as well. Uh, you know, the Texans. It's going to be a rough one, man. It's going to be tough because if they play zone coverage, you can't do that. Joe Burrow eats up zone coverage. You play man coverage. You don't have the secondary to stay with these guys foot for foot, you know. So overall, the Houston Texans, what what is the – obviously, it's in any given Sunday league. We lost to the Panthers, and we were riding high thinking we were going to beat the Panthers, the 0-6 team. What is the chances you're giving the Houston Texans – to pulling the upset and getting the statement win over the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, I would have said that Derek Stingley is a huge factor because he knows uh, Jamar yes. Chase very well. He knows Joe Burrow. They were teammates on that 
championship team and they made a run in 2019 and that was Stingley's I think it was his freshman year there um but I I really do believe that you look at Nico Collins Noah Brown um I love uh you know Tank Dale mm. um, they've got talented receivers I think Dalton Schultz has been a real good addition to this offense and look if they could if they can get the time and uh, I think they can maybe test a young secondary Mm. That's, you know, that's given up some plays. Now, they made a lot of plays. They will steal the ball from you. They're ball hawks. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, uh, they've given up some plays. And and I think the Houston Texans, when it comes to their overall pass game, can stretch a defense. It mm. really is about protection because, hey, look, former Houston Texan DJ Reader, he's coming mm. with bad intentions. He wants oh, to remind shout out to DJ. <laughs> I can just tell you. The guy has been phenomenal for the Cincinnati Bengals. B.J. Hill, his, he's another guy that works inside. But then coming off the edge, Sam Hubbard and, and Trey Hendrickson. Doesn't get any better than these guys. And they've got depth. They've got a rotation. So they've, they're going to have to block these guys in order to make it a really good game. They can block them and hold up in protection. Then I think we can find ourselves in a, in a dogfight. No, I mean, it's just one game we are all excited for. Um, a potentially huge game for the Houston Texans. I think it's going to come down to the shoulders of C.J. Stroud, you know, just like it's been the entire season. Um, Mr. Solomon, I wanted to ask you about Will Anderson Jr. There's been some criticism of him on not being able to get to the quarterback, even though leading the, uh, you know, one of the league leaders in pass rush ring rate. Just got his second sack of the season. Um a couple of days ago. What are your thoughts about Will Anderson Jr.? Is it going to be just fine or should there be some concern? Too too early to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, he will be fine because they're going to nurture him and help develop him. Uh, there's a lot of nuance to playing in this game. I will tell you this. There's no player that comes into this league. I don't care where you're drafted. I don't care who you are. There's no player comes into this league who doesn't have to be coached, who doesn't have to be taught, it doesn't have to be developed. Mm. You can't you can't name me one that can just walk out there on his own and think he's gonna make it happen against a bunch of grown men who've been doing this for a minute. I'm not saying rookies can't be successful, uh, but you could see even Chase Young, who was defensive rookie of the year when he came in and has not been the same since. You I've seen players have that spark early and fade late. I've seen players get off to the slow start because based on what you're asking them to do. You're asking them to do a lot of different things. And so there can be a, a ramp up to um, to success. And I, I think you just have to be patient and play the long game with players mm-hmm. that you know, you know they can play. So you just play the long game and it's way too early to even have any doubts about Will Anderson Jr. Solomon, as we wrap this up, I'm gonna ask you one more time. Are you saying there's no chance for the Houston Texans to beat the Bengals? Uh, no, I don't think you heard me say that at all. <laughs> no, I, I don't think those words even came. In fact, I think I heard you just say it. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, you might want to be careful because your audience is listening. They know I didn't say it. They did hear you say it in the form of a question, but it was your words, not mine. Um, uh, they know what they're up against. The Bengals are a really formidable team, but the Bengals are humble. 
they know that the Houston Texans are one of those teams that uh, that it, they would love mm-hmm. to beat a team like the Cincinnati Bengals. And the Bengals know that they're going to get their best shot. What that is, we don't know. Um, but it, they know that they're going to get they get everybody's best shot. They're used to that. And uh, and that's what makes uh, playing in the National Football League a lot of fun. This is a week to week league and you can't overlook anyone. Most of these games come down to the fourth quarter. And as you know, last week, it came down to the final drive. Comes down to the final possession, even for the Bengals against the Bills. Regardless of the score, comes down to that last possession. You got not only to be talented, you got to be smart. Mm-hmm. You got to be really smart. And that's why the best teams end up winning, because the best teams are the smartest teams as well. You know, uh, we like to have fun on this podcast. I love joking around with my guests. Um, we are, you are the first guest in November. So I have to ask you, man. Thanksgiving soon, man. What's what's your favorite dish in Thanksgiving? My favorite Thanksgiving dish is my mm. mother's oyster dressing. Mm. Phenomenal. Trust me. And you got to know, my mother's from Louisiana, Shreveport, Louisiana. Trust me. You know they know what they're doing down there. So she, she definitely can throw down. Mm. Okay. Okay. Oyster Once dressing. Once again. Guys, thank you, everyone, for being a part of today's episode. We were joined by Mr. Zolomon Wilcox. This was so much fun. We learned a lot. Um, Thank you a lot, Mr. Wilcox. And, guys, thank you for being a part of today's episode. You guys have a very blessed day. Go Houston. Go Houston, Texas. Who day, baby. Take care. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.